energy is in everything we do. It is heating or cooling the very building that you live in. It's powering the smartphone you're probably listening to this episode on. It fuels our cars. It heats our food. Energy provides you with electricity, and it's fundamental for power, buildings, transport, and industries. The problem is that the energy system is dominated by fossil fuels in the form of coal, oil, and gas. That's also why the production and use of energy has an extremely heavy carbon footprint. 73% of global carbon emissions come from energy. But is it possible for the culprit to become the savior? That's what we're going to be discussing in this episode, because the transition from black to green is a crucial step in getting us closer to meeting our collective climate goals of limiting temperature increase to 1.5 degrees Celsius and cutting our emissions in half by 2030. Those are the goals that 197 countries agreed to in the Paris Agreement in 2015. So if we're serious about reaching our goals, we need a profound transition of our global energy system. In this episode, we talk to two experts about what it takes. What are the different steps that we need to take to turn the global energy system green, while also securing clean energy to the entire global population? Orsted is working to deploy some of the technologies that are crucial for transforming our use and production of energy. We talked to a representative of the company about spreading the importance of the green energy transition in new emerging markets. Welcome to episode three of Climate Action Now. It's a podcast about climate change and solutions created by the energy company Orsted, ranked as the most sustainable energy company in the world. My name is Peter Stanners and I'm your host. When Orsted CEO Henrik Paulsen spoke at the UN Climate Summit in New York last year, he argued that the private sector can lead the green energy transition with the help of ambitious goals. And this is urgently needed to speed up the retirement of old coal-fired power plants and to put an end to the construction of new coal-fired capacity. There are four simple but not easy steps that we need to take to fight climate change by shifting our energy system from black to green. One, we need to deploy more green energy at a greater pace and scale, such as onshore and offshore wind and solar. Two, we have to speed up the phase-out of fossil fuels such as coal-fired power plants and cars that run on gasoline. Three, we need green electrification to phase out fossil fuels and decarbonize transportation, industry and buildings. And lastly, step four. In spite of a growing global population with increased living standards, we need to keep global energy consumption in check by boosting energy efficiency. That simply means using less energy to perform the same tasks and eliminating energy waste. Because the less energy that we use, the easier it's going to be to transition to green. Well, the energy sector, and that includes electricity and oil and gas, is about 75% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So it is the single biggest challenge we face on climate change. This is Jennifer Lake, who we caught up with via telephone from a hotel room in Madrid, where she was visiting to take part in the COP25, the United Nations annual climate conference. 
She's the director of Energy in the World Resources Institute. It's perhaps the most highly recognised research organisation on climate and energy in the world. The uh, analysis that has been done around the world in various institutions points to the need for a decarbonized electricity sector uh, at about 60-65% of the, of the energy needs to come from renewable sources or zero carbon sources if we have a hope of uh, staying below two degrees by 2050. And right now, uh, we are not on track to achieve that level of renewable energy uh, in the mix. For this episode, we also talked to Dolph Geelin, director of the IRENA Innovation and Technology Centre. IRENA stands for the International Renewable Energy Agency, which is an intergovernmental organisation supporting countries in the transition to a sustainable energy future. We asked him what the most important element is for meeting our collective climate goals, he points to the fundamental transition of the power sector. Well, the power sector is, is especially important because there are very significant potentials that can be uh, mobilised in the coming 10, 20 years. So uh, if there is one sector we should uh, start, then it's the power sector. As I mentioned earlier, energy is in everything we do. You and I consume energy when we turn on the light. Energy is used to produce steel. We use energy in the form of gasoline to fuel our cars if we drive to work, for heating our homes when we cook. The list just goes on. It's easy to conflate the concepts of energy and electricity. So so let me just explain. If we look at the overall amount of energy being produced and consumed, then electricity only accounts for around 20% of that energy. The remaining energy comes in other forms such as oil for fueling cars, natural gas for heating homes and fossil fuels in general to create process heat in the industry. Let's take a closer look at the four steps that are needed to transform the energy system. The first step in reaching a green transition away from fossil fuels is pouring resources into deploying more green energy, as I explained earlier. Well, it's 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 very clear from the numbers that the innovation in the energy sector uh, has been uh, accelerating in recent years and it's also clear that the share of renewables is growing. Every year we issue uh, scenarios what we see as the optimal pathway for uh, energy transformation and um, the latest edition we have the share of renewables in power generation growing from today around 26% to around 86% by 2050. And it's especially the shares of wind and of solar PV that would be growing rapidly. When Dolph Geelan talks about solar PV, that just means solar technology. Today, the share of wind and solar power are less than 10% of the total electricity generation. That has to grow to 60% before 2050, as Dolph Geelan explains. The annual capacity for on- and offshore wind needs to grow at four times the rate, while solar power has to double compared to recent years, according to Dolph Geelan. The uh, revision of the nationally determined contributions to the global uh, Paris Climate Agreement uh, is due this year in 2020 
And it's really critical that this revision includes much higher ambition levels for renewables. Here, Dolph Geelan is talking about nationally determined contributions. That's climate lingo for how much each country plans to reduce its carbon emissions. With the Paris Agreement from 2015, 197 countries agreed to work towards limiting warming to 1.5 degrees. But countries must decide for themselves how quickly they want to reduce their emissions. And at the moment, it's not happening at all fast enough to stay within 1.5 degrees. The Paris Agreement also demands that nations review their targets in 2020. So it's crucial that nations become much more ambitious. Jennifer Lake from the World Resources Institute also, like Dolph Geelan, acknowledges the rapid growth of the renewable energy sector. But the transition from black to green energy is still not happening quickly enough, she adds. Renewable electricity is the largest growing sector of uh, energy generation or energy production in the economy uh, around the world. Uh, But the challenge is that the installed base of fossil fuels is also growing. Some of the reasons why the base of fossil fuels keeps growing is that nations around the world are still building new coal-fired power plants and the number of cars keeps increasing. That naturally leads us to the second step. The first step was to deploy more green energy. The next is to phase out fossil fuels. And fossil fuels are everywhere. They fuel our airplanes and our cars, they heat our homes, and they're used in industry. That means we have to phase out coal-fired power plants, use alternatives to coal in industry, abandon oil as the main fuel for transportation, and replace natural gas with green alternatives for heating our homes. As it is right now, we're not on the right path says Jennifer Lake. So while we're growing our renewables, we're also growing fossil. Uh, And so we had announcements in November uh, that China had added 43 gigawatts of new uh, coal power capacity. As CNN reported in September last year, the country is not promising to halt its construction of new coal-fired power plants. The officials stress that the new plants are more efficient and environmentally cleaner but they stopped short of saying they would halt ongoing or future plant construction. To put this in perspective, this means that China in just one year has added almost as much coal-fired capacity as the entire existing German coal fleet. According to Dolph Gielen from Urena, there is especially one big reason behind the fact that our supply and use of fossil fuels is still growing. There are still very substantial subsidies for deployment of fossil fuels. So step one is to, uh, to, to phase out these subsidies. That's something most people don't know. The world spends more money subsidizing fossil fuels than green energy, despite the fact that we need to phase out our use of these types of energy. Okay, that was two steps out of the four that we need to transform our global energy system from black to green. We need to build out renewable energy sources and phase out fossil fuels. The third step is to increase electrification at a large scale. Electrification means that energy in industry or transportation, for example, needs to come from electricity. So instead of producing steel with energy from coal, you use power from green energy. Another example is running cars on electricity, which Dolph Geelan is going to touch upon in a little while. 
we need to grow from electricity being about a fifth of uh, final energy demand to electricity being about half of all final energy demand. That happens in, in two parts. So uh, one is to move to renewable electricity as a substitute of electricity from fossil fuels. And then uh, you can uh, also use that, of course, renewable electricity first to, to replace existing uh, fossil electricity, fossil-based electricity. But then also you can use that electricity to substitute applications where fossil fuels are directly used today. So the typical example is the uh, transportation sector where today's cars use gasoline or diesel. And if you can replace that with electric vehicles in combination with increased use of renewable power, then you reduce the overall uh, carbon footprint. As with other forms of renewable energy technology, the market for electric cars is growing. But there is room for improvement, says Dolph Gielen. The share of electric vehicles is growing worldwide. But of course, it's starting from a low level. I mean, the, 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 the uh, lead country worldwide for deploying electric vehicles is at the moment Norway, where more than half of all cars that are sold today are electric vehicles. In, uh, in Europe as a whole, uh, this year around 3% of all cars that are sold are electric vehicles. So... Uh, it will take some years uh, before you see a, a significant uh, deployment worldwide. Individual cars are one thing, but we need to think more widely than that because the potential is so much larger, says Dolph Gielen. The cars themselves are only about half of all transportation energy, so we also need to think about the uh, buses, for example. We also need to think about what to do with delivery vans and also with heavy trucks. In all these fields now you see also developments of, of uh, electric solutions. And even for uh, the short-range aviation, there's no talk about uh, using uh, uh, electricity. And another development is to use uh, green electricity from renewables to produce hydrogen. And then either use that hydrogen as a fuel for trucks, maybe for ships, maybe even for airplanes. The fourth step in transforming our energy system to green, clean energy is about preserving and getting the most out of the energy that we produce and use. A high level of energy efficiency can limit our use of fossil fuels and make it easier to transition from black to green. Imagine a house, an old and poorly insulated house where the only source of heat is maybe a wood stove or a small heater that's cranked all the way up to heat the place. This is a house where energy is wasted, a house that is very low in energy efficiency. Low energy efficiency is quite a common scenario around the world and one that has to change if we want to transform the global energy sector from black to green, says Jennifer Lake. When you talk about the energy efficiency of a building, you're talking about how much uh, fuel or electricity does it take uh, to run the appliances, uh, to keep the refrigerator going, for example, or for heating or cooling. 
uh, and in order to keep the house comfortable. And right now we have standards for those appliances that can help them perform better. Uh, but if what we do is not continually improve those standards as more and more people want to have access to heating or cooling or um, advanced technologies, then we're using more and more electricity. By improving the energy efficiency of every single air conditioning unit, we can have a whole lot more people who have access to air conditioning with the same global environmental burden or impact. One of Jennifer Lake's main points is that we need to make renewable energy the dominant form of energy. And we also have to make electricity available to everybody who still lacks access. And this is where energy efficiency can play an important role. We still have a dramatic increase in demand for electricity around the world. And that's not surprising. Countries like India, China, Africa are all bringing more uh, reliable power and uh, to the, their people. And people around the world need access to electricity. We still have 840 million people who don't have access to reliable electricity. And I think that it's really important that for those of us that work on, on the energy transition, that we think of this as a transition that has to reach all people. We asked Jennifer Lake, how do we improve energy efficiency? You have to make sure that every product that we buy, every home that we build, is built with energy in mind. Does it have insulated walls? Does it have the proper ventilation to keep it from overheating in extreme heat conditions? It's not the technology is difficult. Uh, it's that our economy is used to selling uh, certain and building certain types of goods, and we are not very good at changing our business models. Uh, so how do we ensure that the construction industry, for example, uh, is thinking about climate change and thinking about helping create passive designs uh, that will weather the changes in temperature? Um, and how do we make sure that as we're thinking about where we put those buildings, um, that we try to do compact, coordinated city design so that we don't have long distances that people have to travel which increases their transportation emissions. So both the buildings and the energy system are linked in how we do urban planning, how we do construction, and then the products inside our homes. It's a doable transition, but it requires political will, it requires business innovation, and it requires a significant recognition that we are inventing a new economy and that this new economy is going to look quite different than the economy that we've had in these past 40, 50 years. OK, so now we've heard how and why the energy system needs to change on a structural level. Let's now zoom in and explore how an energy company sees the need for a global green transition. The green transition is happening, and it needs to happen. And Orsted is part of spreading the word globally when they travel with the message of transitioning from black to green with on and offshore wind and solar. That work is part of their vision to create a world that runs entirely on green energy. You might recall Catherine Richardson from the University of Copenhagen, who in our last episode told us that we cannot reach our global climate goals unless companies also do their part. 
companies in many ways are better placed than individual countries' governments to make a difference in the sense that it's usually business that owns the infrastructure that actually produces the greenhouse gases that, you know, that, that get into the, that, that cause the change in climate. Orsted is the leading global company in offshore wind power and has installed 30% of all offshore wind turbines globally. Offshore wind technology holds great potential as costs have dropped dramatically in recent years. As a result, the International Energy Agency estimates that offshore wind power could become, for example, Europe's single biggest source of power generation by 2040. Fatih Birol is a Turkish economist and energy expert who has been the executive director of the International Energy Agency since 2015. And he puts it this way, quote, Offshore wind has the potential to be a major game changer. We met up with Olivia Breeze, who is heading Orsted's efforts to enter new countries around the world with offshore wind. We talked to her about how and why Orsted shares the message of offshore wind globally. And we asked her what it's like to share the message to new emerging markets. So what we do is we start by thinking about what the fundamentals are of the market. So... It's not enough for us as Ersted to go to a market and say, we want to give you offshore wind. It doesn't work like that. We need the market to want offshore wind. More importantly, we need it to need offshore wind. So there are markets where offshore wind makes a lot of sense. Take Japan, for example. They are constrained in terms of the amount of land they have available for renewables. They are themselves a manufacturing nation, so they have the ability in due course to develop their own supply chain. They have very strong renewables targets and they're very committed to the green transition. Uh, And on top of that, they have pretty good wind resource. So when you ask, what do we look at? We look both at the market fundamentals. You know, do they need it? If they need it, why do they need it? When Orsted travels to share the message of offshore wind and green energy, they are often met with similar worries. Perception of cost. People think it's really expensive. Uh, They're often astounded when they understand uh, how quickly offshore wind can, in the right environments and with the right physical uh, conditions, be competitive with other forms of electricity generation. Here, Olivia Breeze points to the fact that in countries where offshore wind is established, it's now cheaper to build offshore wind than to build coal or gas-fired power plants. But when a new country wants to build offshore wind, they first need to develop a supply chain. Once they do, costs start to fall, and offshore wind becomes competitive with gas and coal. For Olivia Breeze, working to spread the message of offshore wind and green energy has many positive aspects. So I started my career doing uh, a slightly weird branch of human rights law, looking particularly at corporate abuses and energy companies. And one of the things that I did was to support a group of coal miners taking uh, an Indian coal investor to court in India and spend a lot of time with them seeing what it actually means to literally be digging that coal out of the ground. I spent a lot of time with uh, a group of Nigerian activists who were bringing an ultimately successful claim against a big oil and gas major for some extraordinary human rights abuses perpetrated in the name of uh, extracting fossil fuels. So 
that was always part of my agenda as I moved towards renewables was understanding not just the climate change impact but the human impact of the extraction of fossil fuels, the burning of fossil fuels, because it is impossible for the world to continue in the way that it has continued. And what we are offering, what we are trying to offer, is a way for the world to continue to develop along a more positive trajectory. And, you know, of course that's exciting. And it's exciting for me, it's exciting for all of us. In this episode, we talked about how the global energy system is responsible for the vast majority of the world's carbon emissions. But we also learned how that makes clean energy the perfect candidate for spearheading the green transition. Now you've heard what it takes to transform the energy sector from black to green. Next time, you'll hear more about those different solutions that have become so cost competitive that green energy is now cheaper than black. This podcast is created by Orsted. It's produced by Sophie Tholl. My name is Peter Stanners.